Welcome to Green and Gold Forever. I'm Eric Drews, broadcasting from Oshkosh, Wisconsin, and I will not be joined shortly here by Matt McLean out in Eau Claire. We've had a bit of a technical glitch in recent weeks, which prevented us from presenting a show last week, and uh, scheduling as well as a technical glitch has prevented us again this week. Uh, We've had a little bit of a problem now that the software we originally used has been discontinued by Skype, and I have yet to find a suitable replacement. So uh, I guess for starters, if anybody has any podcasting experience and has any ideas on some different software uh, that you can use to communicate and record uh, between two people in remote areas, uh, let me know. Send me a message on Facebook, uh, because we'd like to find out and continue doing uh, this show as we have done in the past. But uh, even if I don't get any suggestions... I'm still uh, working on several different solutions that hopefully we'll have uh, available to us by next week. Uh, Someone else who's struggling, or something else that's struggling, is the Green Bay Packers. And the last time we spoke to you was the day after Aaron Rodgers broke his collarbone. And uh, other than Rodgers' collarbone, it appears there's a lot of things broken uh, on the Green Bay Packers, as for the second straight week, the Packers fall 27-13, this time to the New York Giants. And um, I'm going to try not to be so negative on this show. Uh, That's part of the dynamic with Matt and I is that he tends to be the more positive one. uh, And I uh, tend to be more uh, negative about what we've seen. But that was definitely a rough game on Sunday as the Packers, I guess, at times put up a fight and were close at different periods. But at no point, personally, did I feel that they had a chance to win. And uh, I wonder if some of you feel... A bit of the same way. Uh, A rough game and another two-touchdown loss. And so I guess we can go over some of the issues with that. And and one of the things I'd like to start with is the thought of, excuse me, of Scott Tolzien. And how he played on Sunday. And uh, turned the ball over three times, but also hit on some really, really big plays. And uh, even Mike McCarthy praising that he's never seen a quarterback hit on that percentage of big plays in one game. But uh, the turnovers are telling the story here. Uh, Scott Tolzien actually having 339 yards on 24 completions. And it was even better than that at one point, uh, having a lot of shorter completions towards the end of the game. But still turned the ball over three times. Uh, but the thing is, the defense... Uh, has been criticized quite a bit, and I've I've been a, a key critic of that defense for quite a number of years. And I'm not sure, um, uh, against the Eagles, I'm not sure uh, if the Packers would have necessarily won or won big had Rodgers played, but I felt a little bit differently about the Giants game in that I think if Aaron Rodgers had played, uh, the defensive effort was sufficient enough uh, to have allowed them to stay in the game and Uh, The offense is what really let him down. The running game was completely ineffective. Uh, Last year uh, kind of numbers with the 20 carries for 55 yards. Um, And then Scott Tolzien with the three turnovers. The big one being the Jason Pierre-Paul turnover. And and, and that one, as much as it frustrates you, it really, to me, was uh, indicative of Scott Tolzien's inexperience. Uh, Aaron Rodgers never throws that ball. Uh, He's got an eye for 
athletes like Jason Pierre-Paul, if he takes a step back and sees Pierre-Paul is not rushing, he's not going to throw the bubble screen, even um, you know if it might be a safe throw most of the time. Uh, Pierre-Paul is a phenomenal athlete, and I, I think the way Tolzien played it, I don't think he even had it cross his mind that a guy like Pierre-Paul uh, would intercept a pass and return it for a touchdown like that. But I think... I think the defense played okay, honestly, against uh, the Giants, and not that the Giants have been world beaters or anything by any means this season, but this is a frustrating game where it felt like the first time that you really felt the loss of Aaron Rodgers. The Bears and the Philadelphia Eagles, the way the defense played, it would have been difficult to win even with Rodgers, and I think they probably would have at least won one of those, but they wouldn't have been you know, clear-cut victories as... As Sunday, it felt like that was a game that had Aaron Rodgers been there, they probably would have won, and they might have won a little. They they might have won easily. And I mean, I don't I don't want to talk too much about the game. It's it's fun to have Matt here because he has a different opinion than me and everything. But uh, um, that was a rough one to watch, and it it really felt like it finally felt the full weight of the loss of Aaron Rodgers. At no point in that game did I feel like the Packers had a chance to win. I I imagine the way I felt watching this game is how fans felt during the Lindy Infante era playing at Ditka's Bears or playing against the good Jerry Burns Vikings teams and things like that where you were just happy that they were close, but at no point, even down 20-13, to 13, did you think that they were going to pull it out. They just looked completely overmatched. They looked like they had no chance to win. And being three days removed from the game, I'm trying to find a way to... I, I'm not sure I blame anyone anymore at this point. If anything, this Aaron Rodgers injury has shown us that Maybe in the NFL, the old adage that one player doesn't win or lose your football games is completely untrue. As Aaron Rodgers for this football team seems to be worth about four touchdowns a game. They were destroying uh, teams the caliber of the New York Giants and the Philadelphia Eagles when he was in the games. And now they're losing by two touchdowns every single week. And... I don't know if that's a Ted Thompson problem, if that's a coaching problem, or if it's just a reflection of how important the quarterback position is in the 2013 version of the National Football League. But I really don't know. Um, I want to blame the defense. I want to blame Ted Thompson. I want to blame Mike McCarthy, but I'm not sure it's that simple. The team that fielded uh, or took the field against the New York Giants resembled the fourth preseason Packers. I mean, not only is Aaron Rodgers gone, but you don't have Randall Cobb. You don't have Jermichael Finley. Um, Some of the guys that did play were banged up. You feel like you should have a better squad than what they had, but at some point there has to be a breaking point. And I think the in Aaron Rodgers' injury uh, has to be that breaking point. So um, <laughs> uh, if you would have talked to me on Sunday, I was ready to fire half of the staff and, and, and things like that. So I, I don't know. We'll get into that as we go over our Facebook comments later. But um, that was a tough one on Sunday. It just It was a very quick one. I don't know if anybody noticed that. It was only about a two-and-a-half-hour game. So at least they spared us that, and uh, they only flirted with victory for a couple of minutes, and then Tolzine throw the, the pick six to Jason Pierre-Paul. So at least they didn't they didn't string us along before uh, losing in an epic fashion, I guess, at that point. Now I know how fans of bad teams feel when that's your silver lining. That's a sad state of affairs for the 2013 Packers. But uh, nevertheless, that's the reality at this point. 
Uh, one of the things that uh, I want to go over is I've heard different people talk about uh, Matt Flynn and what do they do with him and whether or not they start him. If they would start Matt Flynn, I believe that would be a franchise first. Uh, they have not started three quarterbacks. Uh, this season they started three quarterbacks. The last time they've done that was in 1991. Uh, we talked about that uh, a little bit on a previous show. Um, and, and maybe that was the show that never made air last week. But uh, 1991 they had Mike Tomczak, uh, Don Mikowski, and Blair Keel all started. Uh, they've had that occur several times in Packers history. But going all the way back to 1950, I, don't, I, I could not find any instance where four different quarterback started a game for the Green Bay Packers and quite honestly I would doubt that it's happened much at all in the history of the NFL if you go team wide Uh, that would require more research than I care to do about a little interesting factoid but that's certainly something to keep in mind and with that being said I think I was in Lambeau Field when Matt Flynn had the game to end all games four touchdowns 480 yards beat a playoff team 45-41 with a lot of Packers starters on the sidelines but it's clear that there's something about this guy that isn't translating well into a consistent starter. He's been on three other teams in the past two years since that game occurred. None of them um, seem too interested in playing him when you have the Buffalo Bills selecting Jeff Tool over Matt Flynn. To me, that indicates a major problem with Matt Flynn's game. And I think at this point is is. Poor as Scott Tolzien played last week, and quite honestly, against the Eagles, while showing flashes, didn't play all that great either. I think you got to just have some consistency at that position going forward. And I would stick with Scott Tolzien and see if he can eke out a win against the Minnesota Vikings. And if he can't, your season's over anyways. If you can't beat the Minnesota Vikings at 2-8 and eight in your own stadium, Scott Tolzien or not, you are one of the worst football teams in the NFL. Forget about going to the playoffs. Forget about making a kind of run. I'm not sure they could win a game the rest of the season without Aaron Rodgers if they can't beat the Minnesota Vikings. So I would say stick with Scott Tolzien. If you lose to the Vikings, you will have lost four straight conference games. Uh, you lost two division games, meaning you have to beat the Detroit Lions on Thanksgiving and then uh, win enough games to... Um, well, you'd have to tie the Lions, but if, if you lose to the Lions, the season's basically over from a division standpoint anyways, and with Carolina continuing to win, you have teams like San Francisco still out there, um, you're basically done anyways. So I, I would say you have to stick with Scott Tolzien and, and see if he can eke out a win for, the, for you this Sunday against the Vikings. And so that's really all I have for this game. Uh, I wish I had Matt here to offer his insight and his spin on things. He's much more positive than than I am. Um, it was just a one of the most unimportant uh, feeling games I'd ever watched for the Green Bay Packers, and it just I I would not have expected this to happen at the beginning of the season, even though I warned that it would have been a bad season, but. Um, to just see them so lifeless out there, and it almost seemed like a preseason game, not only from the faces that were out there, but from the way they played, no passion, uh, didn't seem like there was any sense of urgency, miscommunications, bad uh, organization, stupid penalties, you start the game with the 12 men in the huddle on both sides of the ball, 
I think this whole organization is in a haze right now, and I'm not sure they're going to come out of it in time to make any kind of substantial uh, run for the 2013 season. And, and I guess that happens sometimes, and it's sad to see. But, you know, at this point, the, the key thing is to keep Aaron Rodgers healthy going forward. And, you know, the, the Lions might be excited. Bears fans had a big win in a game that they'll probably remember forever, a five-hour game against the Baltimore Ravens in the mud on Sunday. Uh, I'm sure those teams are excited about their prospects this year, but uh, the Packers at this point might be seriously looking towards 2014. And as much as this team uh, seems to be weak without their starting quarterback, their starting quarterback is more than a game-changer. And, uh, you know, maybe this will give them some... Uh, some reason to actually go outside the box and do something that's against their system, whether that's free agents, whether that's trading up in the draft, what have you. Um, You know, 2014 might be a real fun year for the Green Bay Packers. Uh, The problem is we just have to suffer through another six 2013 games to get there. But we'll see. Stranger things have happened, and and maybe the Packers can make some kind of run here. But uh, right now, it doesn't look promising. Uh, The word with Aaron Rodgers is... Um, there still is no official word. He's been reported as throwing without any pain, uh, but he still himself is very concerned about breaking that bone. It would completely wipe out his offseason. Uh, and, and you might say, you know, what's who cares? It wipes out the offseason. But Aaron Rodgers is a, is a creature of habit. He loves preparation and things like that. So, and, and it's not my collarbone. I've never broken a collarbone. And so whether or not we say, who big deal, go out there and bust your collarbone and spend five months rehabbing, you know, when it's actually your collarbone, I can't imagine even, you know, putting, you know, trying to win a season and, and do some great things. Um, I can't imagine that's something fun to look forward to. Um, so I can't blame him at all if he, if he wants to take this slow. And quite honestly, he's not an idiot. He has to see how the, his teammates have played these last three weeks and realize that is this really a team that's going to beat the Seattle Seahawks or the New Orleans Saints or the Denver Broncos? Um, probably not. So I think that as much as nobody would care to admit, I would be shocked if privately uh, these guys aren't already thinking about 2014. But, you know... See, this is why we need Matt, because I'm, I instantly go towards the negative. But that's my honest opinion, and uh, hopefully they'll give me reason to think otherwise uh, this Sunday against the Minnesota Vikings. All right, I put on Facebook that, uh, you know, I'm going to be by myself tonight, and I asked for your help to give me some topics that I could speak about, and we had a couple of people that offered uh, some things that I could talk about. So we'll begin with Eric Hansen, who has been involved on our Facebook page and has been a listener for a while, so I want to appreciate you for uh, giving me a number of topics to talk about. So I'll, I'll try to address those one by one. Uh, Eric begins with saying, If the Packers pull out a win on Sunday and Rodgers offers to return for the Thanksgiving game against Detroit, but he's still not 100%, would you let him? That's a very tough one. It depends on how close to 100% he is. If, um, you know, Aaron Rodgers is cautious as it is as a player. If he is worried about his health, I would imagine he would be even more cautious. And quite frankly, but but then again, uh, cautious Aaron Rodgers and ineffective Aaron Rodgers is probably better than Scott Tolzien at his peak. So um, I really don't know. Personally, I would say no, just with the how dirty some of those guys are in the on the lines, and 
We talk about a lot uh, amongst Packer fans right now about, oh man, if we could just get Aaron Rodgers back and go on a run, what does that do to the psyche of this team if they do get Aaron Rodgers back on Thanksgiving at 80% and they lose anyways? I mean, that's got to be devastating from a psychological standpoint. And that's one of the things, honestly, in my in my thoughts that concerns me about this is let's say somehow they manage to stay in it and with three weeks to go they have Rodgers back and if they win all three they're going to the, the the playoffs and everybody's excited about it and then they lose one of those three. I mean that would just be devastating for everybody involved. Um, obviously we'd like to have that opportunity but I would say, I'm not sure but I would lean towards no. I don't think I would play Aaron Rodgers, uh, excuse me, Aaron Rodgers in Detroit if he's not 100%. Uh, Eric goes on to say, uh, number two, not with, uh, notwithstanding a complete defensive turnaround, who would you like to be named as the new defensive coordinator next year? That's a difficult one. Um, I'm not quite in tune to the assistant coach situation around the NFL. I've heard people throw out the name Lovey Smith on occasion. Um, I'm not sure if Rod Marinelli is still out there. Um, I don't want to be one of those teams in our division that just cycles, or recycles old people from within the division. I think I would like to see them give an opportunity to either Winston Moss or Kevin Green. And I know they've been a part of this kind of rough patch here. Um, you know, they, they probably not quite as bad as Dom, but are certainly guilty of some things. But I would like to see uh, Winston Moss, especially he's been the assistant head coach for a number of years. I don't understand why teams seem to be avoiding this guy for promotions, and I would like to see him finally get an opportunity to run something bigger than you know what he's doing right now. And I, I'm not I'm not in tune to the structure of teams and things like that. I know he's the inside linebacker coach and assistant head coach, and maybe taking a defensive coordinator job is a demotion or a lateral move for him. But I would like to see him get a chance to run the defense. He's been here uh, since McCarthy has been here, so. I was honestly surprised he wasn't named the defensive coordinator in 2009 uh, when they got rid of, um, um, gosh, I can't remember. Was that Bob Sanders, I think, was the defensive coordinator that was let go after 2008. So I, I would like to see him get a chance, and if not him, I'd like to see Kevin Green. These are two guys that were hard-nosed, tough, mean players, and they were uh, players very recently uh, in the in the mid-late 90s. Kevin Green, um, you know, should be a Hall of Famer, and it's quite frankly um, ridiculous that this guy's not a Hall of Famer, like number four or five uh, in sacks in the history of the league and the highest sack total of any linebacker in the history of the league. So it's ridiculous that this guy is not already in the Hall of Fame, but let's see what he can do as a coach. And um, Winston Moss, too. So one of those two guys, I would keep it in-house. And um, you could argue that the talent might be there, and... um, you know, maybe they just need some new ideas. The thing that's frustrating too, I think, and when you talk about Lovey Smith now, is that the long-term signing of Clay Matthews really makes it so that you almost have to be a three-four defense as long as for the length of Clay Matthews' contract, or at least as long as you want to have him around, because. I don't think he's big enough to put his hand in the ground and be a rush defensive end in a 4-3 defense, and you're certainly not going to waste the highest paid player in the NFL to be an outside linebacker in a 4-3 that really doesn't do much pass rushing and is just out there covering tight ends and tackling running backs. So that changes a lot of things. So maybe you almost have to stay in-house, and that again maybe favors Kevin Green, who played Clay Matthews' position for almost the entirety of his career. So... um, as stupid as it sounds, honestly, um, 
I I would uh, I would say keep it in house with one of those two guys. What do you think are the biggest personnel needs for the Packers in the offseason? Eric writes uh, next. And obviously Eric is a very smart person, um, well-adjusted, knows a lot about football, and that's all reflected in his first name. So this is a, a really good question. I think they need everything, quite honestly. And after seeing them the last three weeks, I don't. they're not very good without Aaron Rodgers, quite honestly. I think everybody outside of Aaron Rodgers and, you know, even it, it's as bad as it sounds, if you want to change up your defense completely, well, your whole defense is catered to play a 3-4. So I, I would say you're not going to try to trade Clay Matthews or something and try to go back to a 4-3. But I think you could go with anything. You need some other rushers. Uh, Nick Perry seems to be incredibly injury prone. There's not a lot of, um, uh, I guess consistent pressure coming from that. The big thing is secondary. You need safeties. Uh, clearly, safety has got to be one of your top things. Um, you want to say backup quarterback, but I don't necessarily know if you're ever going to be in a good situation. You have Aaron Rodgers. You're never going to be as good as you are with Aaron Rodgers, even when he's hurt. Um, this is probably a worst-case scenario this season, but even if you had you know, 2010 Matt Flynn or something, it's not going to be a long-term solution. So, um, it would be nice to have maybe even Scott Tolzine keep him a, a, a long, long term. But I think the big things is you got to get better at safety. you got to get better at cornerback. Um, I know Tremont Williams has had a rough go of things the last few years. And, you know, Matt and I privately have clashed about that quite a bit. He really is a Tremont Williams supporter. I'm quite a critic of his. So I think his role on the team is not necessarily secure. I would keep looking at that. The secondary stinks. Um, you got to get better at the secondary. Some of the other pieces are less important, but I think you, I would be open to anything, and I would not ignore free agents. If you can pick up a free agent that can play in this system, I would spend the money to do so. you got tons of money now um, with, with your rookie salary cap and things like that. So uh, key things is secondary, I would say. You're obviously going to need a tight end because the prognosis is not looking very positive for Jermichael Finley. You've had guys like Mark Jamura say that he doesn't believe Finley will ever play again, so you're probably going to need a tight end that's going to be a game changer there. Uh, we'll see what happens with some of these lesser, uh, or I shouldn't say lesser, but uh, some of these backup guys like Bostic and see if they can continue to, to improve throughout the season, and maybe one of those guys would be a solution. But key thing is secondary, and uh, other than that, everybody who's not named Aaron Rodgers uh, could probably potentially have an upgrade this year. And finally, sorry, these are long-winded answers. It's just me and a computer screen so that you might get some of that today. Number four, given all the beating around the bush Mark Murphy has done about this topic, when do you think the Packers should retire Favre's number? And yes, that was intentionally my fourth question. Well played. I think, when do I think they should do it? I think they should do it next season. Uh, Favre's in the news again, um, not only with his reuniting with Aaron Rodgers, so to speak, uh, last year at the NFL Awards, but he's he's been on commercials again. He's was on the Today Show earlier this week. I think it's a good time to bring Brett Favre back into the fold, and I would love to see them retire his number against the Vikings or, or something like that. Um, I, I think next year you should really do it because well it's going to be a number of years yet 2016 is when he'll be inducted into the hall of fame you got to do it before then i would like to see it sooner rather than later um 
you know, it's it, it would be nice to do it when you know Aaron Rodgers and Mike McCarthy and all them were there. Um, the the dream for Packers fans, especially amongst collectors, would be if they could somehow get a whether it's that night or some other kind of banquet where they could have Aaron Rodgers, Bart Starr, and uh, Brett Favre all together. Um, you know, that's something that Packer fans, I think, would love to see. And personally, me, who's a big fan of Packer history, good and bad, absolutely would love to see. I think I would do it next year, and I would do it against the Minnesota Vikings if possible, just because I'm a jerk and I want to rub it in their face that they had Brett Favre for two years and they still won squat, just like they always do. And uh, here he, we've reclaimed him, so now go back and enjoy your history with uh, Brad Johnson and Tommy Kramer and all those other schlubs. And Daniel Johnson also contributed on the Green and Gold Forever podcast. And he said, do you think the Packers should keep Scott Tolzien after this season? And I'm not sure yet. And it's been early. He's had a disastrous two games. He's got five interceptions in the two games that he's played. And I know Aaron Rodgers spoils us because he only had four in his eight games played. And even in you know, 2011, he only had six. Now, last year he only had eight, so we don't see a lot of interceptions. So to see two in one week and then three the next is just very, very weird to see as Packer fans. You think of this guy as the worst player ever because he's throwing interceptions when a couple of those were in desperation, a couple of them were caused by inexperience. So I think Tolzien, um, I didn't realize he had that strong of an arm and that he was that good of a deep ball thrower. Uh, at Wisconsin, I always kind of thought he was a liability and not a very good quarterback, and that tends to be the kind of guys that play at Wisconsin. And from a raw skills standpoint, he's much better than I thought he was. And I would give him a chance. Uh, these next couple of weeks is certainly his proving ground. If he continues to throw three interceptions a week, I, I don't care who you are. Um, you, I, I wouldn't keep him. Uh, I know he's a young player, but there's young players like Russell Wilson and RG3 and even Case Keenum and some of these guys that come right into the NFL and they're not turning the ball over like crazy. So... I would give him an opportunity. He's shown flashes, but if he can't take care of the football, he can't play in the in the modern NFL. So uh, his proving ground is these next couple of weeks or maybe the rest of the season, depending on what happens with Aaron Rodgers. So I will answer your question by saying at this point, I don't know. Uh, but uh, if he continues to play how he's played minus the interceptions, I would absolutely say that he's your uh, probably solution for your backup quarterback uh, for the foreseeable future. And Daniel Johnson added, number two, bring back Packers what if. Well, funny you should say that. What if the past had turned out differently? The Green Bay Packers have won the Super Bowl. I was told that playing in Green Bay was not an option. With the 24th selection in the 2005 NFL Draft, the Green Bay Packers select Aaron Rodgers, quarterback, California. And Mikowski appears hurt. Oh, Mikowski's in great pain, Ahmad. And reliable sources now tell CBS Sports that Parcells is very close to accepting a Green Bay Packers offer. Gentlemen, let me introduce to you the new head coach of the Green Bay Packers, Mr. Phil Bankston. What would the past look like? What would the future look like if... And that signifies the beginning of What If, the segment where we take an event from Packers history, we tweak it a little bit, and we debate the ramifications. So um, not much of a debate this time around, as I'm the only one here, so um, maybe I can debate my own points, but that might come off a little weird. Either way, the topic we're going to talk about this time was sent to us by Nathan Shaw all the way back in August. Nathan, one of our great, great listeners, I want to apologize uh, for not getting to this sooner. 
kind of got buried uh, in the beginning of the season and some of those other things. And so I, I just want to say thank you very much for sending this. You've been a great, great listener of ours. And, uh, and I'm sorry that it took so long to get to it. And hopefully uh, this uh, is, is a good segment and uh, answers your question a little bit here. And this is a great topic. He says, what if Aaron Rodgers had not gotten hurt against the Lions in 2010? There is not much of a backstory on this one. I just wanted to know what you guys thought. My thinking was, if Aaron doesn't get hurt, they beat Detroit, and since Matt Flynn only lost to New England by four, I would say the Packers have a good chance of an upset there, too. Let's say Rodgers wins both, and the rest of the season plays out like it did. With Green Bay being 12-4, and four, they are the number two seed instead of the number six seed. New Orleans drops to six, Chicago three, Seattle four, and or Seattle five, and Philly four. Uh, this means that Green Bay would face the winner of Seattle versus Philly, and Atlanta would play the winner of New Orleans and Chicago. Um, actually, having looked at that, that's not uh, uh, exactly right here. If, if Green Bay would have been the two, New Orleans would have been the six, Chicago would be the five, and Seattle would be the four, and Philly would be the three. So it would still be... Let's see. It would still be New Orleans against Seattle, but then Chicago versus Philadelphia in the first round. Um, all right. He says, this is where you guys get to debate what you think would happen, but this is how I think it would play out. Um, instead of Seattle, Chicago faces a much better offense in New Orleans. Um, I'm trying to think here. Philadelphia would be a division winner. There would be two division. Okay, so uh, unfortunately, Nathan, I'm going to have to uh, modify your statement a little bit here. Um, I, I'll just go forward here. Um, I would say New Orleans beats the Packers 31-28 to in the NFC Championship game and advances to the Super Bowl. This changes things because now Aaron Rodgers might not be considered elite, having not gotten a ring, and his MVP season might not have happened since he didn't have the confidence coming off a Super Bowl victory. Aaron Rodgers might not even have a ring at all going into the 2013 season. I think it might have been a good thing if the Packers got the number six seed. What do you guys think? Okay, so the playoffs, uh, if the Packers would have been 12-4, and four, uh, Chicago would have been the 6th seed. Okay, let's start this over. New Orleans likely would have been better than Chicago. I don't want to go through the tiebreakers, but let's just say New Orleans is the 5 and Chicago is the 6. So that means New Orleans would play at Seattle as they happened, and Chicago would play at Philadelphia. So I think Philadelphia would have beaten Chicago. I think New Orleans and Seattle, for the sake of the argument, let's just say it goes how it goes. So that means Green Bay as the 2 seed would have hosted Philadelphia in the... or, or no. Yeah, they would have hosted Philadelphia in the second round. Um, certainly a tough matchup. I think they still could have beaten them at home. Um... And then New Orleans would go to Atlanta, which I definitely think the Saints could have beaten that uh, team, as they've always kind of been an even matchup as it is. But I think New Orleans could have beaten Atlanta. So it would have been Green Bay and New Orleans. Could the Packers have beaten the Saints? And in 2010, uh, let me see here. Um, I'm going to look up the Saints' defense. They had the seventh scoring defense that year. Uh, their offense actually wasn't quite as powerful as it had been in years prior. So I think, honestly, I think if if the Packers are a two-seed, I think they still beat New Orleans. It would have been much more difficult. Uh, but that, you know, that New Orleans defense 
gosh, that's that's tough because the main thing is Dom's defenses have never been very good against the elite quarterbacks. So New Orleans certainly would have scored some points. It would have been during the day at Lambeau, so that's kind of better than having that cold, cold night game like they had in twenty uh, or 2007. So honestly, Nathan, I think that had... Uh, the Packers got in the two seed. I still think that they would have beaten the New Orleans Saints. I think they would have beaten Philadelphia. I think it would have gone a lot like it did. And I think the Packers still would have gotten to the Super Bowl and probably won it. The The big question for me that year, um, less so maybe than having to take a different road through the NFC playoffs, because uh, New Orleans would have been the toughest matchup of anybody in there. But the Packers had a good defense that year, and they had shut down some reasonably good quarterbacks. And they even had a shutout that year. They 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 were good that year compared to the other Dom Capers years. So I still think they could have beat New Orleans. The thing that scares me about the Packers, and we kind of brushed over it a little bit here, uh, because I think at 11-5, and five, had they beaten Detroit, the Packers still would have beaten the Bears for the division anyway. So let's assume they maybe they lose to New England with Aaron Rodgers. New England is the much scarier matchup, and I think that's one of the things that we'll look back in history and kind of breathe a sigh of relief is looking at the quarterbacks that they were able to play with Dom's defense in that 2010 playoffs. They played Michael Vick, they played Matt Ryan, they played Jay Cutler slash Caleb Haney, and they played Ben Roethlisberger. None of these... All these guys are good players, but none of them are the pinpoint accurate quarterbacks like Peyton Manning, like Tom Brady, like Drew Brees, who really put a pressure on even the best defenses. And I think that's the part that kind of scares me in any scenario. And I know it's hard to change that with a Packers what if, but had they somehow played New England in the Super Bowl, I think that is your scary matchup that could potentially prevent uh, the Packers from winning the Super Bowl that year. I think... The Packers matched up well against just about everybody else. Uh, Aaron Rodgers played out of his mind. Now, again, uh, if they could have won the Super Bowl in 2011 or 2012, potentially, if, if Aaron, well, maybe not 2012, but 2011, certainly, if Aaron Rodgers had played a, just a tad bit better. Uh, if he'd have played out of his mind like he did against Atlanta, they could have won the last three or four Super Bowls. Uh, well, maybe not in tw- 2009. He played that well in that uh, NFC wildcard game, and they still lost. But... Yeah, I, I think even if they're twelve and four, I think the Packers clearly were the best team in the NFC. If you go back and look at the statistics, they have the second best scoring defense. Their offense, believe it or not, their offense that year was the worst of any of the Rodgers offenses. I think even cl- including two thousand eight, obviously not including twenty thirteen, but um, well, maybe it is including twenty thirteen because they were like third in yards when Rodgers got hurt, uh, third, third or fourth in points. So. That team was, their defense is what got them to where they were, and that's what won them the Super Bowl. They, as much as Aaron Rodgers means everything to this team, they won their playoff games. Two of their playoff games, they only scored 21 points, which is usually meant defeat for most of this Aaron Rodgers Rodgers tenure, especially against good teams. So, um I think the scarier matchup is against New England, but I think given the scenario that you uh, said, if Aaron Rodgers doesn't get hurt, I think the Packers still win the Super Bowl. Um, With how talented that team was, they were better than anybody in the NFC that year, and arguably they were better 
better than everybody other than New England. And I think the only reason New England could have put pressure on him is because Tom Brady was off the charts that year. 36 touchdowns, four picks. Uh, he could have put some pressure on the Packers. But again, we've seen what's happened in New England in recent years in the playoffs. So maybe they would have curled up in a ball and the Packers would have you know, won the Super Bowl much more comfortably. So I'm not sure things change all that much, but I definitely appreciate the topic. Um, one of the what-if topics that I'm sure we'll get to someday, uh, maybe if Green and Gold Forever f- survives for years and years, uh, one of the biggest what-ifs in Packers history is going to be, what if Aaron Rodgers did not break his collarbone on November 4th, uh, 2013? And while we're talking what-ifs, uh, since Daniel Johnson said bring back what-if, he left us a comment a while ago, and Daniel, I want to apologize to you for not getting to this comment earlier, but you left a comment on our Facebook page all the way back in May. Gosh, I I feel horrible about that. Um, He says, I just listened to your podcast where you discussed the Packers drafting Montana in 1979. One thing you didn't bring up is if you think San Francisco would have still gotten Steve Young, but had him start right away. And if that would have led home would have led to Holmgren getting hired by the Packers. Also, would Green Bay still have wanted Favre in 92, and would that have created a passing-the-torch situation in Packers history from Montana to Favre to Rodgers? Uh, well, first of all, I just listened to that myself prior to going uh, to recording this because I wanted to catch up on, on what we had said there. Um, to You should probably seek it out because it actually was a, a pretty good segment if I want to toot our own horn a little bit here. I had argued that I thought the Packers would have been a Super Bowl contender from 84 through 87 if Joe Montana had been the quarterback. I thought they would have won it potentially in 1984. Uh, Matt was less enthusiastic about that possibility, but I, I would definitely suggest taking a listen to that as it, it was a, one of our better what-if segments. As far as San Francisco getting Steve Young, uh, that's very difficult to say. He had a rough go of things with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in 1985 and 1986. I, it depends, as we talked about in the segment, it depends all on whether or not they would have gotten one of those really good quarterbacks in the 1983 draft. If they had gotten either Marino or Elway or uh, Jim Kelly, that changes everything. And they would have been relatively young there. I know Joe Montana was still relatively young when they got Steve Young in 1987, but, you know, Elway was in his, you know, mid-20s. He was like 27 in 1987. Jim Kelly, same way. Dan Marino, uh, same way. Those guys all played for a decade after that. Well, as did Steve Young, but uh, Montana, I I really don't know. Honestly, I don't think they would have got Steve Young, but then at the same point, it's not like he was all that hot of a commodity after his time in Tampa Bay his record in Tampa Bay was 3-16 and as a starter, 11 touchdowns, 21 picks, a 63 quarterback rating. And now that's horrible if you judge him by today's young quarterback standards. Back then it's still pretty bad, but almost every quarterback struggled their first couple of years. The learning curve which was much steeper uh, back in those days as the college game was quite a bit different than the NFL game. So almost no one came right out of college and played great other than maybe Dan Marino and uh, Elway you know, struggled a little bit his first year, but it was still one of the better half of the quarterbacks in the NFL, same with guys like Jim Everett. But for the most part, quarterbacks were very bad when they started uh, in the 80s, 70s, things like that. So 
I guess I don't know about Steve Young. I would suspect that probably he doesn't end up in San Francisco. If they have one of these younger guys from 1983, uh, if they don't have one of those guys from 1983, Bill Walsh is probably long gone if they weren't able to get one of those good quarterbacks. And then, you know, who knows what happens, depending on who their head coach might be. The other thing you had mentioned is if uh, Holmgren would have got hired by the Packers, that depends, I guess, on Bill Walsh and things like that. Uh, Mike Holmgren, I'm not sure where he would have been uh, had they not gotten one of those good quarterbacks. But let's just, for a while, pretend that, um, well, let's see, Holmgren was at BYU until 1985, and then he was the quarterback's coach for the 49ers. So let's say, for whatever reason, he still ends up the quarterback coach for the 49ers, and they still end up with Steve Young. Um, I guess it depends on... I'm not really sure what the situation would have been. Uh, One of the things with this, with the Steve Young, Mike Holmgren thing, is it almost is the chicken and the egg scenario. Which came first, the great player or the great coach? So was Mike Holmgren a great coach because he had Joe Montana, then Steve Young, then Brett Favre? Or were those three players great because they had an opportunity to work with Mike Holmgren? Uh, Clearly, Joe Montana is great without Mike Holmgren, but the other two guys, it's less clear. Ah, oh, gosh, this is this is really hard. We're we're trying to speculate on something almost a decade after the thing we changed in the what if. I would say probably not, just due to the butterfly effect that had Montana not been a Niner, they probably are not a powerhouse. Then Mike Holmgren might end up elsewhere, might be in a lesser position to rise to prominence so quickly. If Mike Holmgren doesn't have the 49er dynasty under his belt, doesn't get to step right into one of the best teams in the NFL with two of the best quarterbacks of all time on his staff, he likely does not rise to prominence to be getting head coaching jobs as quickly as he did. Um, you know, coming into the NFL in 1986 and then being hired as a head coach just six years later is quite rare. You had guys like Mike McCarthy, who clearly are very talented head coaches, who took twice that long to be able to get considered for head coaching jobs. So I would say, having just kind of thought about it a little bit, I would say no. I don't think Mike Holmgren ends up with the Green Bay Packers. And who knows, maybe uh, Forrest Gregg or or. Probably not Bart Starr, but who knows? Who knows who's the Packers coach if they had won the Super Bowl in 1984? Uh, it might still be Bart Starr, you know, just playing out the string with his, uh, you know, losing football games. But, you know, you can't fire him because he's uh, your, your greatest quarterback and now also one of your greatest coaches. So uh, who knows about that? And then finally, also, would Green Bay have still wanted Favre in 1992, and that would have created a passing of the torch situation in Packers history from Montana to Favre to Rodgers. This one all depends on whether or not Ron Wolf is the general manager, because he seemed to have a unique desire to get Brett Favre. There didn't seem to be as much enthusiasm for Brett Favre, and and, and maybe I'm wrong, and maybe I'm just kind of... Uh, affected by the NFL film's narrative of nobody believes in us, which is the story everybody has, even if that's not the case. But it seemed, from what I've read, that nobody thought as highly of Brett Favre as Ron Wolf did. And Ron Wolf is the main reason why Brett Favre ended up in Green Bay. And so... I I really don't know. I think that it's likely that if the Packers win a Super Bowl, they're not in the market for a 
new architect in 1991 like they were in reality. So Ron Wolf probably goes to Tampa Bay, or he stays with the New York Jets, or he goes somewhere else, and likely wherever Ron Wolf goes, Brett Favre goes. So I don't even want to speculate uh, where where that could be. Let's say Ron Wolf ends up with Tampa Bay, then Brett Favre goes to Tampa Bay, and if Brett Favre is in Tampa Bay without Ron Wolf, maybe Sam Weiss turns him into something. Who knows what happens? So I would say... Uh, no, I don't think it would have created a passing of the torch situation in Packers history from Montana to Favre to Rodgers. Because I think that if Ron Wolf doesn't come to the Packers, I don't think Brett Favre does either. I think Brett Favre goes to wherever Ron Wolf goes. And Aaron Rodgers getting drafted by the Packers took place 26 years after the scenario we're talking. So I'm not even going to begin to speculate. Who knows if the with how much Aaron Rodgers loved the 49ers and loved the Packers, maybe the 49ers would have stunk. Aaron Rodgers wouldn't have loved the 49ers. And then so when he got passed in the draft by the San Francisco 49ers, it wouldn't have bothered his ego. He would have got drafted by somebody, but he would have been a much uh, less motivated person and he would have stunk in the NFL and been out by two. 2009. Who knows? Um, but you know that's what what if is for. So I don't, uh, I don't really know. But uh, hopefully that kind of answers some of the questions you have. All right. So this was a very long podcast, just me talking to you. So hopefully it was somewhat enjoyable. And I promise I'm still working on our technical problems. Again, if you have any tips for me, I would love to hear them. Uh, share them with us on the Facebook page. Send us a personal message, and uh, we'll try to get the show back up and running and give you the show that you've. Uh, hopefully come to enjoy each week uh, with Matt and myself because Matt's much more reasonable and much more intelligent than I am. So we need him back in the fold or otherwise you're just going to get my crazy rants for, for weeks and weeks. And who the heck wants that? I don't even want that. So until then, uh, hopefully the Green Bay Packers can win this week. In all honesty, despite the Vikings being 2-8, and eight, I'm expecting a loss next week just with how sluggish they've been. Uh, if they lose, the season is over. Uh, I don't see any scenario in which they can recover from a loss on Sunday um, and I it, it kind of goes back to you think they should win they're a five and five team the Minnesota the Vikings are one of the worst teams in the NFL but I'll believe they can beat a team when I see it they've lost 27 to 13 both weeks and 13 is not enough to beat even a really bad Minnesota Viking team so I hope they prove me wrong, but until I see otherwise, I have no reason to expect the Green Bay Packers to win this Sunday. But I've been wrong before. I'm sure I'll be wrong again. So hopefully this Sunday is one of those situations. Until then, thank you very much for listening uh, to me today. And I hope you enjoyed it. And next week, hopefully, we'll have a, a much better show for you. So until then, have a great week, everybody. Dodge the snow that's coming this weekend if you're living in Wisconsin. And try to enjoy a very bizarre, uh, another very bizarre Packers football Sunday. Take care, everyone.